0: Life has its ups and downs. Our guests will share their story and their journey through life. They'll share the struggles they hit and how they pivot in a way to come out stronger and better than before. Growing up, we are taught there is one way of life that essentially creates our life's checkmark. You have a choice to go in any direction you desire. As you listen to our guest, you're encouraged to look at your life and the checkmark you created in your mind and readjust if needed. After listening to some of the incredible stories told, this is the Life's Checkmark Podcast, and I'm your host, John Emery. If you ever had the burning desire and wanted to learn how to create your own vision board, this Wednesday, I want to invite you and anybody that you know that might be interested in doing so to join us live for a workshop on how to create a vision board. And it's going to be March 8th, this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can find out more information about this by joining the Facebook group Life's Checkmark. There will be a link in the show notes. During this workshop, we will be using Canva to create a virtual vision board. You will also be learning the tools and stuff that you need to create one if you were to cut out any papers from magazines and stuff. This is going to be an exciting event. Um, It's going to be a great turnout and looking forward to meeting whoever joins and just have fun and create the vision that you have in your head and put it onto a board to have it come true to you in the next few months or years, whatever it takes. Again, this is a free event. Join us in Life's Checkmark Facebook group and the link will be provided in the show notes. In this episode, you're going to listen to Jeremy share his valuable lessons that he learned through karate and carry them throughout his life and how the birth of his child changed his priorities, you're then going to hear from him how he's helping people with any kind of relationship issues, whether it's with the kids, with money, and with past
1: experiences.
0: Hey, Jeremy, it's great to connect with you again. Yeah, John,
1: it's been a while, but yeah, man, I'm I'm glad
0: things are moving for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, So Jeremy and I connected probably about two years ago um, through some uh, men's group and, I asked for him to come on and share his journey because he has a story to tell that others probably need to hear and see if they can follow along and go through his struggles, too, that they might be using it or they might be going through as well. And he can share, uh, you know, the stuff that he learned and he used and implemented along the way to get to where he is today. So if you like, you can start with what you do do today and then we can backtrack to how you got there
1: fantastic so so first thing i would like to say is this um there's a quote from nietzsche that says that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger and i don't think that's actually a true statement what doesn't kill us doesn't kill us we have to decide to become stronger because there are a lot of people walking around who are not dead and they are not stronger from the negative impacts and what's happened in their lives so you know right out of the gate the most important thing is you have to decide what does it mean to you? What could it mean to you? Whatever you're going through, good, bad, or sideways. The good times don't last, which sounds depressing, but then you start to realize wait a minute. If the good times don't last, well, that also means the bad times don't last either, provided you can last. Because your sorrows and your triumphs and your tragedies, good, bad, sideways, it all changes. It all progresses. It's winter, spring, summer, fall, it always moves. The question is, are you going to be here to experience the next season or not? And for some people, unfortunately, they, they make the decision, I don't want to play this game anymore, and they take a permanent exit. And I'm here to suggest, maybe stick around a while. There may be more opportunity than you thought possible. There may be more chances than you thought possible. So, John, to go to your question, you know, where am I at? What am I doing now? I do, if I could sum it up as, as succinctly as possible, I do relationship mastery for men. And it's really how do you master not just your relationship like like romance and dating and marriage, but also like parenting, relationship with your kids, but also relationship to money, relationship to your past, relationship to d- divinity or God, relationship to why are we alive on this ball of rock hurtling through space? How do we clean those relationships up so that you can live by decision instead of living by default? And, and I've got a community where – men get together and we're able to, what I like to say is where a man can take off his crown and still be seen as a king. Because sometimes we're protectors and we're providers and it's, it's scary to put that down and just be raw and open and real and say, I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution. I could use some support and that's okay. It doesn't make you weak. In fact, being able to ask for help, especially when you feel like you don't deserve it, it's a, it's a type of strength and people who are still wounded people who are still too weak will make fun of you but people who've been through struggle and strife and come out the other side they respect you for saying i don't have the answers i need help i need to be poured into so whatever anybody is going through anything if you're in the united states 988 is the number to call for mental and emotional support. 911 for physical support, but 988 for mental and emotional. They, they change it from the 1 800 number. So, whenever we get to the heavier topics, I always want to make sure 24 7 anonymous support is available 988 in the United States. So, please make sure you're accessing that if you need it. There's no shame in that. So, today, I work with men in a variety of circumstances, mostly men who lead and own businesses, um, because there's some really cool stuff we can do and, and ways we can expand and leverage. It's taken me quite a while to get to this place. And I had to close a business, a brick and mortar that I had for 17 and a half years, partially due to COVID, partially due to my daughter was born. And my priorities shifted when she showed up because this is an amazing human being. I don't know how long I'm gonna have her and I wanna spend time with her. I wanna be in her life. I want to watch her grow up, right? My dad was an amazing provider and did wonderful things for our family, but he was also military and had to travel for work. And there were things that he missed that he didn't want to, but the economic engine he had, military, retire, private sector, contractor, required him to travel. It required him to leave our lives for periods of time because that was the the vehicle he had. That was the way he made money to support us and provide for us. And I want to do something a little different. And my daughter was born 14 weeks early. She weighed a little bit over a pound. And she was in the NICU for 13 weeks. And we had a couple times where we don't know if she's going to come home or not we actually had the doctors tell us not to plan anything for christmas like there's a great conversation like they can use some work on their mindset cuz you got to be real but man you, you, there's a way to handle that and i don't think they did a great job um but luckily she made it through and and one of the big shifts we made as a couple when she was born like we were slaughtering ourselves cuz is she gonna walk is she gonna talk is she gonna is she going to go to school? Is she going to graduate? Is she going to, is she going to, is she going to? And we brought 10, 20, 30 years of pain into our life. She's only been alive a couple of days, dude. But what's going to happen? Is she going to get married? Is she going to have kids? Like Nobody knows that crap, dude. Like Chill. Mm -hmm. But there was nobody to tell me that. And after about two weeks of of my wife and I driving ourselves a little crazy, I kind of hit the pause and went, wait a minute, because we're doing this to ourselves. Future's not guaranteed. We know she was born. We know she has now doubled her body weight. This little lady's a fighter. We're going to celebrate what we do have with her because that's real. And we're going to let go of the rest. So we made a decision. And it's something I invite you to, to explore and play with. Control what you can control. Influence what you can influence. And let go of the rest. And if you can do that, you will have a bigger impact. You will have a better impact simply because you can control what you can control. We can control our schedules. We can control our time and our energy. We can control our attitude. I can't control my wife's attitude, but I can influence it. She can't control my attitude, but I can influence her. And because we recognize that with each other, we played back and forth with each other. We created a different reality and the doctors and nurses saw the difference in us. They were like, We've never had a couple so actively involved yet so balanced because we weren't freaking out. We weren't stressed. And so, you know, it's this lifestyle of like, let's, let's step into the places we fear. Let's step into the challenge and how can we take control? How can we influence? How can we guide? How can we have an impact? Those were the skills that I've built over a lifetime from martial arts, business owner, Kung Fu master, neurostrategist, hip hypnotherapist, all these different skills that I developed from my twenties. So that's, that's part of my journey when we can kind of unpack or explore. If you have questions, we want to take something somewhere. It's all good.
0: Sure. Sure. So uh, first I want to say, thank you for opening up with a quote. It was pretty good. Um, and so you went ahead and you were speaking about, um, I think you went 20, 30 years ahead, right? For marriage and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So would you just say just being present would sum up those three things that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to be here and now is is really the skill, but I think it's a human nature to project and to get ahead of ourselves because we want to have, well, what's going to happen? I want to have answers. I want to have solutions. I want to have X, Y, Z, and it's like, yeah, those are good to be aware of, but you're living so far there, you're a shadow now. And so, yeah, coming back to this current moment, coming back to this current reality transforms and and, and transcends everything. So, yeah, totally be present.
0: Yeah. And so you, you said you went ahead and learned some skills. What mm-hmm. kind of skills did you learn to try to stay present?
1: Well, It helped that before I got married and before I had kids, I was a Kung Fu master. I was an international champion in martial arts. Uh, I was a multi-time US national champion, so elite level perform, elite level competitor. Um, But I was also a master practitioner in hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. And I've also done various forms of meditation for, at that point, uh, almost 20 years. So I had all this knowledge and skill, but when my daughter was born, it was like a big moment of impact. And then it took me about two weeks to kind of like remember, oh, hey, we should we should change what we're doing. And then all my skills came back out. Um, because like it's just a new context to apply the things that I had learned and the stuff that I had discovered. thank you. Sorry, I had my dog over here kind of oh, no worries. I've, I've got a little bit of ambient noise as well. So I hope it's not interfering with the recording. No, yeah, no.
0: So what me. So what made you do the Kung Fu and stuff? What made you get started with that?
1: Um, okay. So, so I started martial arts when I was 20 and um, as a kid, I had some bad stuff happen at five and six and it took me sideways. Um, I had some experiences that, that kids at that age never should have. And it caused some realizations and some awakenings in me about what people say is one thing. What they mean is a second thing. What they do is a third thing. And because the bad stuff in one country happened with adults and in another country happened with kids, I'm now left at a place where I can't trust kids and I can't trust adults. So I don't know who to trust. And with the situation with the adult, I was out where I wasn't supposed to be. And i got punished and kids link up you know when you do bad things you get punished you deserve that but then i ended up with i can't tell my parents what happened because if i do i'll get punished again so now i've got to hide and so now you've got a kid five years old who can't tell anybody what happened because he already got punished doesn't want to get punished again at the same time has to hide what happened so hide himself hide from the consequences and what happened was wrong and and i was violated so no sense of power, no sense of like agency is the psychological term. So now you've got a kid who's constantly in survival mode, constantly reacting in anger, constantly reacting to force his own safety because he can't trust anyone or anything. And he has nobody that he can ask for help because then he would have to admit or reveal he did something wrong, which was he went past a security gate and played where he wasn't supposed to play. So you end up with this little little storm of a human being who is locked. And then, you know, I'm seven years old, I'm playing tic-tac-toe and a part of me believes if I lose, I'm going to die. So now everything is life and death. And that level of energy to my peer group, I see them pulling back and I see the fear in their eyes. So it's like, oh, I can't, I can't show any of that. So now I've got to be a chameleon and a mimic. I got to hide literally everything about me and I've got to watch what everyone else is doing so that I can map myself into my peer group so that no one sees me and no one notices me. That's my safest way to be. And so now you've got a seven-year-old who has to hide who and what he is. And I became very socially astute and stuck. And I had to figure out for myself what's going on and why and and how how do I make the world work. And so that's kind of how I grew up. Parents were amazing, gave me unconditional love. They had no idea about the abuse until my mid thirties, but very intelligent, very observant, um, very controlling because I can't trust anyone. I can't be safe with anyone. Always knew the entrances and exits. Always knew the dominant personalities for the group. Always knew how to like figure out how to go along to get along with everyone so that you don't pay attention to me and you you ignore me. So I don't exist because that's the safest place and and that's not who i really am right so there's this constant tension there's this constant stress that can't really be labeled or shared or explained and i was working in a sandpaper factory after i got out of high school and i was 18 19 years old my life is going nowhere and the other thing to 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 discover while i was in high school is i am number 7 out of 10 pregnancies that my parents had, they lost eight. My brother and I are the only two that lived. He was number four. I was number seven. And I hate myself and I hate my life. And I can't trust anyone. And I have to hide everything. And I'm constantly angry. And there's all this stuff. And it's like, what in the world is going on? Why would anybody curse me to exist like this? And I know I'm here for a purpose. I survived for a reason. So I carry the guilt of I have four to six dead siblings that I got to live for. My brother can have two. I'll take six because, you know, I'm higher energy than him, but I've got to go live my life and I've got to make my mark, but I don't know where it is or what it is. And I can't let anybody notice me. And I can't let, anybody, so, so, so I'm locked in like all these different ways. And martial arts became, I've always been interested in Asian metaphysics and Buddhism and Taoism and, and, and meditation Martial arts became a way for me to find my power and get back to source, get back to cause, get myself integrated. And it was really, initially it was about power. It was about control. It was about, you know, having the strength to keep myself safe in any situation, no matter where I go, I'll always have my fighting skill. I'll always have my fighting knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So building that foundation is kind of where it started. And very early in my training, I remember uh, the system I study is a system called Shaolin Wing Chun, and it's been researched and developed by Grandmaster Benny Ming. We've gone back into you know three hundred years of history into our system, and then even further into into the ancient past. Um, but I remember Sifu asked me, I asked, I asked him at one point. I had been there a couple of months. I said, "Don't you guys ever get tired of me?" And he said, "No. Why do you ever get tired of you?" And I didn't answer his question, but the thought, the answer inside was yes, absolutely. I'm exhausted being me. I I don't like me in the slightest. But they never judged me. They never made me wrong. They challenged me. And you've got a room full of people that can wipe the walls with you. You really can't stand on like intellectual dominance because they don't care. They'll just punch you in the next week. They'll choke you out. They'll throw you. They'll sweep you. They'll tackle you. I remember I met, one of my best Kung Fu brothers, Grandma uh, Master, Master Chongo. I'm 20, 5'11, 142 pounds. I turn sideways, I'll disappear. And Master Chango, at that time, he was a purple sash. He had been training with Grandmaster Ming. He was the number two student in the school. Like, like the month that Grandmaster Ming opened, he was the second or third student to sign up. And he had been there for like 15 years and he had been training with his dad, who was one of the original team before the SEALs was the UDT or underwater demolitions team. So his dad trained, his dad was UDT and trained him. So I had no idea. Chongo and his brothers used to go beat up martial arts instructors to see if they were going to train with them or not in high school. Like these guys were crazy, awesome, crazy guys. And so when I met him, he went to shake hands. I said, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't shake hands. And he's like, oh why is that?" and I said, well shaking hands is an ancient symbol among warriors you're not carrying a weapon, but you're a martial artist you've trained your whole body to be a weapon and that makes you a liar I don't believe in lying and he hated me for, for about three years because <laughs> who is this pretentious scrawny white kid from the suburbs thinks he's gonna tell me anything and won't even shake my damn hand like like Chago had every reason to hate me because I was just I was so defensive and I was rejecting myself. I knew you were going to reject me. I'm not going to waste time letting you do it at some point. I'm not going to build up some sort of friendship with you and you're just going to like leave me raw and vulnerable at some point. I'm going to force you to reject me right away on my terms. That's how I met him. And he prayed to Allah because he was Muslim at the time and now he's Christian, But but he prayed to Allah that I would last until sparring. And I did. And he beat the crap out of me like every which way from Sunday just just laid me out kick punch tackle choke sweep throw used me in class as a as a as a demonstration partner aka punching bag every chance he could and it used to make him like frustrated because I never took it personal i would be like cool what'd you do do that again cuz i actually wasn't this arrogant condescending dismissive intellectual whatever that's not who i really was and as he beat the crap out of me he began to realize who i really was because I just wanted to learn and he had such knowledge and such skill and I had such respect for him that it was like, it was really cool. Our friendship and how it grew over the years because Chonko's a beast. And if you ever wanted somebody to truly have your back, he's got it. He's got such a big heart and and he's such a, a giving person. And to think that I rejected him when I first met him, not because of him. I didn't know him. It was because of me and my fears and my doubts and my insecurities. And that was the, the the massive healing that a well-run martial arts program can do. That's why I ended up becoming a martial artist as a career, had my own school for 17 years, because the ability to help people get integrated. We deal with violence, but we learn how to turn it back into peace and harmony, right? Because if, if you can make friends with someone, right, physical domination is great. It's a beautiful skill. If you can change their mind, that's a better skill. But if you can connect to their heart and the two of you become friends, that's the ultimate skill. right? Abraham Lincoln said it. If I if I make my enemy my friend, isn't it true I'm killing my enemies? And that's the highest level of skill. And it requires engagement. And it requires confidence. And it requires your heart is there first to get through. And, and that's a lot of the energy and attitude I bring into my coaching because I don't judge the men that I coach. I'm not qualified to like dude I've probably done at least as whatever you're doing if not worse in in my own ways so I'm not here to judge you for that or make you wrong you want a different standard cool let's get there what are you doing now where do you want to be what are the roadblocks let's remove those over under through around blow them up pivot transform transmogrify teleport whatever it takes that higher level the fact you have the desire to be at that higher level that means it's available to you we just have to walk you the steps that's it and so that's what really got me into – and I went deep in the martial arts, man. I was training seven days a week within – I started in March, and by May, I was training seven days a week. And it was like multiple hours a day. I'd go to Grandmaster Ming's house until two in the morning. Then I'd go home, sleep for a couple hours, get up, go to the factory at 7 a.m., work in the sandpaper factory, um, whatever it takes. Like I was just – as a student – I was seven days a week for 15 of the 17 years before I started my school. And dating came second. Anybody I dated, you know, tremendous way to start a relationship. I had martial arts before you. I'll have I'll have it after you. That's not a good way to, to, to date someone. <laughs> Let me just tell you your second class from the rip. It's like, man, I, God, I was so wounded still. Like, dude, that's not okay. Why didn't you see that? I laugh at it now and go, man... But yeah, so that that was kind of the 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 full journey from childhood on through. Because you know, when I was a kid, I hate not having the answer, but that wasn't the truth. The truth is, I love having the answer. I love being able to remove suffering and to serve and to help people to live and love more and play the game of life at a higher level. Like that's that's my crack. That's the coolest thing. Take someone's stress down. Take someone's drama down. Help them understand themselves better. Help them accept themselves more. Because if you're happier, what do you have to give to everyone around you is more happiness. Cool. Let's do that. Like like all the scarcity in marketing, all the, all the do it now, FOMO, YOLO. If people just had a little bit more contentment, a little bit more peace to share with each other, we wouldn't have this manic press to go be and do and have and look at me and notice me.
0: No, uh, I, I agree with you
1: um, and I appreciate
0: you sharing the whole story there. Of you going back to your childhood and coming all the way up to where you are. So then you you, you went through uh, martial arts and then you came out to start coaching and stuff. So how did that transition come about? I know you mentioned your daughter and everything like that. But yeah. was, there, was there anything else that? Well, I wrote this
1: book. It's called Your Best Child Ever. Is this game worth winning? The only parenting book with a money back guarantee because I'm not above marketing. ABM, always be marketing. So, so what happened was in the Kung Fu school, I kept seeing the same patterns in families. Like I can work with the kids and I can, we can do cool stuff fast. I had a a family come in and little dude was um, seven out of 10 or no, two out of 10 in anger management. And that was May by August over the summer break by August, he was a seven out of 10 from his family's red. They, they rated him. He was a seven out of 10 on a 10 point scale. In three months, because I helped him at eight or nine years old, get control of his anger, but realize what was lighting him up. This is a passionate guy. This is a guy who really cares, who has really high standards. And he has a twin brother. So everything he does, it feels like there's somebody copying him all the freaking time. Every freak, you, you, you copy my skin. Like, come on, how can I be original? And so, you know, helping him to create room for himself to breathe, lengthening his fuse. I don't want to take away his passion. But we got to lengthen your fuse because you realize everyone can control you, right? No, they can't. Yeah, they can. They say one word and you fly off the handle and you're yelling and screaming and throwing things down the stairs. Oh, well, yeah. Dude, I get it. I have the same. I got a, I got a temper a mile long. What I did was I grew a fuse 10 miles long. Oh. So I had ways to connect and to hook him. And that's why I wrote the book was just, look, they're all just games. I'm just playing these little games. My dad read a book. I have it over on the on the shelf. It's called Games People Play. And it was written in the 1970s. And it's all these dysfunctional games people play to manipulate and to control. The problem with the book is there's no, here's what to do better. It's just, here's the dysfunctional game, label it, break it. That's it. They didn't like, okay, how do we play a better game? Because all human beings play games. doesn't matter how old you are because our, our game is our behavior. And, and, and we all tell stories because our story is our justification. The story drives the game. The game drives your impact. So if you want to change the story – I'm sorry. If you want to change the game, change the story. It's, it's really that logic. And so that's what I was doing in my school is I was you know black belt excellence and beyond. What does that mean to you? So we get the kids to associate, get the families to associate. What does it mean to be black belt excellence and beyond to each other in the school? And then, well, you're, you're saying sir to me and ma'am to my staff. And you're doing things here in the classroom and you're rushing, but we don't feed you. We don't buy you your clothes. Why are you treating mom and dad this way? Why do they have to repeat themselves? Would a black belt make their parents repeat themselves or would a black belt help their parents get things done? No reminders. And then the kids would give me an answer. No reminders. That sounds like a great way to live. You should try that out. See what happens. And then the kids did it and they got happier parents and the happier parents wanted to give more happiness to the kids. It's this virtuous cycle. We spin each other up wait, if I give to them first, that they have it to give back to me? Yes, enlightened self-interest, it's beautiful. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And so I I wrote the book, like, here's how you do that. Here's what I'm doing. They're all scripts. They're all little chunks of code in my brain of how I run this, because it helps me feel good and it helps them feel good at the same time. And so as I wrote the book for the parents, I realized, you know, I can do amazing things with the kids, but if the parents aren't paying attention, if they don't know how to replicate this, that's why I wrote the book. That's why I put the money back guarantee. Because at the time, not married, no no kids, not dating, who am I to say anything about parenting? Let me put a guarantee on it. You see if you could break it, have fun. And that's kind of how I did that. And then that led to parents asking me questions and parents wanting me to like deconstruct strategy. And that's how I moved into parenting. But then the parenting space, trying to get parents' attention is a lot of work. And I realized how many men, ten divorced men a day, end their lives in the United States. The level of suffering for a BS, for a belief system, the story they're telling themselves, they choose to end themselves because they believe they're the problem. Versus, well, let's just change that story. But we need to engage. We need to be in that community. We need to be in that space. And so, since since that realization, I've been doing a lot of like outreach. I'm in a lot of men's groups, dad groups. as well as, as reaching out to different various communities to add value and to serve simply because just be a voice for there's another option, right? Instead of talking mental health, mental illness, what if we just talk mental process? What if it's not healthy versus illness? What if it's you have a process of thinking, you have a way of thinking that's leading you to, a, to an outcome, and maybe we could play with it and change it possibly? I don't know, but it, let's have the conversation. I had a, a dad whose five-year-old was ejected from a vehicle, because he got t-boned and for two years he hadn't slept because every night when he closes his eyes he replaced the car crash kid was fine ejected from the vehicle landed in a in a field but he passed out he woke up crawling through gla- glass and he hears his daughter screaming in the distance terrified panicked no idea crawls through the front wheel to show to what's left of it she sees him and relaxes because daddy's okay she's okay he forgot until we talked She was dancing the hokey pokey in the ER while they're pulling glass out of his shoulder. She was affected by this exactly 0%. But for two years, 17 medications, a psychologist and a psychiatrist taking Ambien every night to go to sleep and still only getting like an hour or two at the most because every night he goes to bed, he replays the car crash. He and I had a two-hour conversation and I took those memories away. Because it's just, we can change the way you represent it because you're out of the moment. So all you're living in now is recollections. They're echoes of the moment. Cool. Let's notice different things. And I built rapport with him and I built influence with him in the space of our conversation. And then I just, I just invited him to experience in a different way. And by him noticing different details, we took away the sound and the moment When she saw him and she relaxed, we made that bigger for him. So now when he closes his eyes, he sees his daughter relax because she saw her daddy because she knew she was safe. That's what he goes to sleep on. That first night, he slept six hours, which was the longest he had slept in two years. So I'm not here to argue mental health, mental illness. I don't know. That's not my my deal. That's not my world. I'm not a therapist in that regard. What I am here to say is what if it's a process and we play with it and we see what we get? you never know where it might shake loose so you open up the door a little wider right completely wider cuz we just we just where's the friction points what is it cuz you're doing something right you're thinking a certain way you're feeling a certain way you're doing a recipe to get to a result which is no sleep for 2 years and the medication's not working and the service animal's not working and the psychologist psychiatrist they're not getting you a result cuz their goal is to manage and or cope my goal is to see if we can resolve it. I don't know if we can, but I have some questions for you. And so, yeah, we, we changed the container for him. We changed the recipe. It's like you bake a cake and switch the salt and the sugar. You're going to have a very different experience. And that's what we did through conversation. And so, yeah, gave him more freedom, gave him more space to breathe and gave him forgiveness. Because ultimately he was punishing himself for what could have happened. It didn't. He looked left. He looked right. He looked left. The other car was doing 55 and a 25, ran ran a stop sign and T-boned him. So for two years, you haven't slept. Two years, you've been punishing yourself. Have you you suffered enough? Are you going to next time look four times? Look left, look right, look left, look right, look left, look right, and then go? Could that have made a difference? Oh, yeah, it would have. What if we do that from now on? and if you made that promise to yourself would it be okay to let these memories go to let these feelings go he agreed cool and then he agreed with himself again by letting them go so that's what's possible if we play if we engage if we if we just step into that space with how do i how do i change the heart how do i change the feeling how do i change the emotion so i can connect and we can create friends because then the that painful stuff it can be like a trampoline you bounce off of and go, man, look how high I bounced. That was a horrible experience. And I understand why I felt that way. And I never want to go back to that. And look what I've done since. Look how I've grown through that. That's what's possible. So I look at the the things I went through as a child. Take those away. How much more of me goes away now? because I grew up in response. I, drew, I grew up in reaction to that pain. It drove me in places to get knowledge, to get skills, to get understandings, to now serve the world around me at a higher level. Take that stuff away at four and five, uh, yeah, five and six. Take that away from me. All these superpowers now go away. I'm not as good a husband. I'm not as good a father because my experience changes. I wouldn't write that book. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. I don't wish those experiences on anybody. And my whole life has been how to prevent that for people physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, socially. But I see the gift in it for myself. I would never say to somebody else, your pain is your gift. I think that's really pretentious because you don't know what kind of pain they've been through. But I can say for me, having worked through my stuff, it, the past and all that crap is fertilizer that I'm now producing a better harvest. And because I'm consciously aware of it, I can teach it to my children, teach it to others so they can protect their children, not from being hard or armored, but from understanding and being able to move through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. That really opened it up a lot. I'm sure to a lot of people that's going to hear it. Yeah. Um, it, and I, I would agree that, you know, it doesn't take much to change things, but it just has... It's finding people like yourself and some others out there that can actually help with that because, you know, besides him, there's others out there that just, I know that they just keep
1: constantly going. Spin, spin, spin. My whole world's about creating more leaders. Leaders Mm -hmm. create leaders, not followers. I want peers. I want people who have the knowledge and tools I do to throw it back at me so I can raise myself too, Mm -hmm. right? Because think about it. I've done a lot of it on my own and a lot of it, like I got to figure it out and that's great up to a point. Because if you're stuck in an eight-foot hole, you can't grab yourself by the scruff of your own neck and pull yourself out. You need somebody out of the hole to get leverage, or it's going to take a long time digging yourself out of the hole and cut a stairway into the side of the walls. So sometimes just hit the easy button, ask for help. Dude, I need some support. 988 in the United States of America.
0: Yeah, and see what see what happens, right? you know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah of all the medication and everything else like that
1: i mean there's a time and a place for that yeah potentially but when your identity gets immersed into the process and it's like no this is who i am now well maybe maybe it is but maybe it's not maybe there's another identity that's waiting to be discovered beyond the current identity yeah. it's being open to the possibility because if you if you decide you can't or you won't then you're right and you're done, like like stick a fork in you, you're done. But if you think there's a potential, if you think there's a chance, if you think there's an opportunity, that's a different conversation.
0: Yeah, um, no, I, I appreciate you sharing everything you had to share. Is is there a way that best way for somebody to contact you or reach out to you?
1: Yeah, I'm the only Jeremy Roderick on the internet. That's there's awesome. only about 300 of us on the planet, and I'm the only Jeremy that I know of. So yeah, um, jeremyroda.com. there's also uh, I'm most active on Facebook so facebook.com/ slash Kung fu guy. For the the men who are listening who maybe are struggling or maybe they're not where they want to be, I also have I have to make up a, a actually, did we make a bitly for it? I think we did. I've got a bitly for I have a um, I have a quiz for men, it's nine questions. And it's a quick evaluation. How are you doing? Scale zero to 10, where are you at? And you can rate yourself. And then we'll set up like a 15, 20 minute conversation to kind of unpack what is it showing? Because sometimes it's just a matter of figuring out where are you and where do you need to start doing the work for yourself? I have a a client right now, 10 in problem solving, 10 in power three in providing, and four in wounds. So he's been trying to fix his money situation, three in providing, lowest number, 10 in problem solving, 10 in power. So I'm a guy who knows how to make things happen. I know how to solve problems, but I'm sitting at a three in my economic engine, my finances. So I can't solve that. I can't break that. So when that stuff fails, where does he go next? Where's the next gravity? It's wounds well, what's going on there? Well, he has a mom who he's never really felt approved by. So he's got a wound in his childhood. So he goes into temper tantrum. It, I'm worthless, I'm stupid. He uses all of his mom's language patterns to punish himself for not solving his problem. And the look on his face as I unpack that for him, he's like, you mean I'm not broken? No, you were never broken. You're just running a, you're running a process that you could never win. This is a game you can never win because you weren't aware you were doing it. You felt, but you weren't aware. And now we can actually, there's nine pieces we can pull apart. Now we can delineate. So where do we need to go to get the growth? Well, we need to fix your economic engine. But that problem is being driven by, do you deserve to be successful? Because the wound says you'll never amount to anything because your mom had a very strong opinion about what you should and shouldn't do. And she does not approve of your business. So for you to be a good boy, you can't make too much money because you make your mom look bad holy and now he's now it's just the the, the deer in the, in the headlights realization it's not to say your mom's a bad person she loves you and wants the best for you but her comfort zone and her economic understanding i got a buddy who makes eight eight figures a year and his mom is still waiting for him to get a real job he bought her a house and she's like that's so nice but when are you going to get a real job like that's her model so if you need her approval, <laughs> you're making eight figures a year and you're nah, – no, he's he's past that point. He doesn't need her approval. He loves her and he wants her approval but doesn't need it because the wound is closed. And that's the difference, right? So this quiz um, – let me go grab the bit.ly real quick. Give me one second because um, I just created this to have a QR code. Um, I did a talk for some CEOs this morning. Um there we go. It's bit.ly slash quiz for dad, all lowercase, Q-U-I-Z-F-O-R-D-A-D. And they'll take you in. It's a, it's a, it's a Google form. I mean, I just, I just invented this a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, it's, it's still fresh and I'm collecting data on it. Uh-huh. Um, Cause I, I want to beat this up and make it a really strong model to serve. And eventually I see this being like, you drop your, you drop it in your thing and it, it calculates and pushes out. Cause if you, if you have this, you'll be like this, but if you don't, you'll be like that. Like it's, it's very predictable. If you're struggling in these ways, you're going to run these patterns. Cool. Let's get that cleaned up. Yeah. And then so, that's what allows me to, to make massive transformation in a very short period of time. Um, instead of years of, of conversation, like let's get strategic and tactical. Let's do this in like the next 60 to 90 days.
0: Yeah. So, so what time, what kind of time frame are you looking at trying to help people with? What do you mean? Uh, as well, 60 days, 30 days. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Depends on how big the problem is or how big the situation is. Um, but I have a, I have a a year long program where we do, there's a portion of one-on-one deep dive and then there's a portion of community support. Um, and that's all about relationship mastery and whether you're in a rescue mode or a mastery mode, rescue mode, you're basically sitting in one of two positions, F this or F that F this, your life is on fire and melting down F that you're out of the pain, But everything you're doing is to not fall back into the pit. Both of those are what we call scarcity and and you're at the effect of a bunch of stuff. That's not wrong, but it requires certain strategies. And then position three, there's, there's a better way. That there looks good. You see a potential future and now you're being pulled in a new direction. It's no longer push. F this, F that is a lot of pushing, a lot of force of will. It doesn't have to be, but that tends to be the pattern. And so relationship rescue, F this, F that, and then that there, this here I am, that's the next part of the equation. So the rescue component can be, it can be one conversation. Uh it just depends on on how big the situation is. The The gentleman who wasn't sleeping, the rescue was was a two-hour conversation to get him out of that hole and now he can sleep again. He still has to deal with marriage, raising kids. Because the car accident, he's got some screws that are affecting his spine and a bunch of stuff. So there's still some areas that that take some time. That's why there's a community component because we need to practice these tools and, and internalize them. And some way you may be able to add value to other men and other men may be able to add value to you because we're all superior in some way. We're all inferior in some way. Cool. When you own that, people can't use it against you. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Big deal. That's why I'm asking for help. What do you got? And they're like- Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing there either. You, you, you make it okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. That's not my thing, but I know this. So what do you know? Oh, you do. Could you help me on this? I'll help you on that. Sweet. That's a win-win. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, really fun. And this, this, like I, I did this presentation for the CEOs and, and the, the executive assistant who was helping facilitate that was like, oh, I love your energy. And they've been running these these expert sessions now for over two years. They were like, that is the most high energy. Like that was really great. This was the most positive, just engaging presentation we've had. Because I love what I do. A hundred percent. Reduce suffering for myself and others. Hell yeah. That's a great game. Let's go play.
0: <laughs> and you, you could tell, yeah, how you explain
1: everything that you do above what you
0: do. Very much. Yeah. So I have one last question They ask. Uh, Kick him in the
1: knee. Oh, wait. Sorry. Yeah, you got, I got it. You
0: so I know you shared a lot of uh, experiences along your journey there. So yeah, what are three
1: key things that you've learned and you used along the journey? Three key things. Yeah. Number one, appreciation. Yeah. Appreciation over expectation. If you expect people to do stuff and then they don't, you get mad. When you appreciate people doing stuff, if they don't, that's fine so appreciation over expectation number 2 engagement if it is to be it's up to me if you want things to change you got to step in you got to step up you got to play you got to engage sitting back against the wall you you don't you can snipe all you want but anybody can point out a problem what are you going to do to step in and work towards a solution so engage and number 3 awareness is the key you cannot resolve anything you are not aware of. It's literally a blind spot. Awareness is a key. Opens new doors. Once you become aware, now you have the opportunity to do something. So I'm constantly, where's those friction points? Where's that difficulty? Where's the sticking point? Because there's an opportunity for awareness.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you. and they're all being a martial artist, right? Because when you appreciate when someone takes a position, they take a certain stance. Cool. They just gave me information. Thank you. Because now I know how to connect with you. I can harmonize with you, or I can break you. Cool. Because you gave me a, you gave me a place. You gave me a reference. Fantastic. And if you want to win a fight, you have to engage. You can't sit back passively. Because if you wait to counterfight, you have to be perfect, and they just have to be lucky. And then you have to be aware. They're going to go high. They're going to low, go low. They're going to tackle. They're going to faint. They're going to kick. They're going to punch. They're going to whatever. You have to be aware. You can never win a fight you never see coming.
0: Cool. Well, thank you, Jeremy. It's great connecting with you again.
1: Yeah, you too. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's been a joy. So I can't wait to see where it goes next and what next episodes are. Yeah.
0: You'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> we all will. Thank you for taking your time listening to Life's Checkmark. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time.